the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Stand for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 312 and 313. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree. They'll take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. What's up, everybody, and welcome to our big two all-new Tuesday editions of the show today. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo! We've got a lot of breaking news. Joe Biden hit the campaign trail this weekend with events at Valley Forge and down in South Carolina. We'll be checking in on that. Donald Trump did four events in 48 hours over in Iowa ahead of the caucuses. We've got all the highlights. We'll do a little Capitol Hill roundup and discuss Alejandro Mayorkas continues to throw himself into the news and in front of the American viewers how everybody's looking at this and how it's shaken down. Great slate of guests coming in with us today. Christina Bob will be joining us to do the news. Two U.S. House representatives will be joining us as well. Tennessee's Andy Ogles and Montana's Matt Rosendales will be sitting down with the former chief of staff to the DOD, Cash Patel, and the iconic Roger Stone will be back on the show today as well. But before we get into any of our interviews, let's dive right into these headlines and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. All right, everybody, welcome to Steak for Breakfast. I'm Ron Noah's here as well. Yo. If you're a first time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long time listener, welcome back to America's fastest growing political podcast. We're going to be getting started with the news today on this big Tuesday edition of the show. And we're going to be joined by author, attorney, and America First Warrior, one of our great friends, Miss Christina Bob. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always love being here. Always love hosting you. Did you have a great Christmas and Happy New Year? Oh, yes. Very good Christmas. I got to go home for a little while, so that was nice. And and by New Year, I was in bed by nine. So, yeah, it was great. Nice. <laughs> Sounds like a win to me. Yeah. Uh, unlike what uh, you know, we're hearing from Joe Biden lately, he officially hit the campaign trail this weekend doing dual events, one up in Valley Forge where he tried to and failed harness the ghost of George Washington, and then took it down to the AME Church, the site of a mass shooting back in the day down in South Carolina, where he delivered some more of his divisive racist rhetoric as well. Christina, as you've seen the way Joe Biden has or has not operated over the course of the last three years and just how bad everything's got, was there any shock value to some of the stuff he said, or did you pretty much expect this, or even for it to be worse when you saw some of the excerpts from the speeches he gave over the weekend? No, I'm not surprised at all. And I don't believe for a second that those are Joe Biden's ideas or Joe Biden's thoughts. I don't think he's capable of making them. So that's whoever his speechwriter is. Um, and that's the the pandering that the left wants to do. And that's their they're grasping at straws to try to reconvince America. And I say reconvince because I think some of the people who who did support Joe Biden are no longer supporting him. Um, but they're trying to regain ground that they've lost. And uh, they're trying to do it by fear mongering and uh, talking about how Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. You know, all of the the crazy stuff that we all know not to be true, but that's what they're doing. They're really, you know what they're doing? They're really relying on an uninformed electorate, which of course is none of your listeners because they're very informed. Um, but they're hoping they, Joe Biden and his handlers, they're all hoping that Americans are uninformed about what's actually going on. Oh, that's a great point you make. The the politically uninformed, the casual 
dabblers in politics as well who read a headline and then take it to the water cooler and next thing you know it becomes a telephone game i don't even know if those mm-hmm. are dabblers really they're just low information voters yeah you know, we, we can't always forget about the 30 ish percent of vote blue no matter who so they're always going to be there as well actually can i say something about that for a second and i i don't like i shouldn't think that this is funny but um a friend of mine, actually, and this person truly was a friend who lives out in California, who um, is very liberal, not the aggressive liberal, the liberal who's like, I am better than you, but I want to embrace you too. You know, that like very <laughs> kind hearted liberal. Um, and this person had never, never heard, never heard the fact that Joe Biden has been accused of pedophilia. Oh. Was completely unaware of it. And I, I'm not saying this person didn't believe it was true because a lot, I'm sure a lot of people don't believe it's true and that that's fine. You know, that that's a fair uh, opinion that you can, a conclusion you can come to if you want to. But the fact that this person had never even heard that Joe Biden has been accused of pedophilia just blew my mind. Where are you getting your information from? Yeah. So. It's pretty wild to see how ill-informed some of these people are. And, and the fact that when you actually present them with, with some of the evidence that's come out over the years, it's like, getting exercised and having the demons come out because they just can't believe it. Yeah, it's true. All right, we're going to jump into the speaking events here. We're going to be starting up in Valley Forge where Joe Biden was, of course, talking about bringing the country together and uh, not making America great again. Let's check it out. This visit to the grounds of Valley Forge. I've been there a number of times since the time I was a Boy Scout years ago. You know, it's the very site that I think every American should visit. Because it tells the story of the pain and the suffering and the true patriotism it took to make America. Today, we gather in a new year, some 246 years later, just one day before January 6th. A date forever shared in our memory because it was on that day that we nearly lost America, lost it all. Today, we're here to answer the most important of questions. Is democracy still America's sacred cause? I mean it. I think that was a staffer that started that clapping. <laughs> this is not rhetorical, academic, or hypothetical. Whether democracy is still America's sacred cause is the most urgent question of our time. And it's what the 2024 election is all about. The choice is clear. Donald Trump's campaign is about him, not America, not you. Donald Trump's campaign is obsessed with the past, not the future. He's willing to sacrifice our democracy. His campaign is literally put himself in power. Our campaign is different. For me and Kamala, our campaign is about America. It's about you. It's about every age and background that occupy this country. Cutting your dick off. You want to immediately debunk some of the uh, talking points from that excerpt? I I mean, I don't know how anybody can take it seriously. Uh, There you have the chief executive of the United States who most, I shouldn't say most, at least a very, very large percentage of Americans believe he's not in office legitimately saying that it's a threat to democracy to basically be, uh, to oppose him effectively. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much wrong with that. It's hard to even listen to at this point. I mean, yeah, it's just it's hard to listen to because it's so dishonest. 
No, it certainly is. And and I just can't imagine being one of those people with the Biden pom-poms on just sitting there like, oh, this is great. This guy's amazing. We are going to have to credit Jeff Science with the uh, assist there. Science! There you go for getting the clap started. He, he would continue to say in the same thread, actually taking a victory lap on some of the information regarding January 6th. We have some breaking news on that today, but let's hear Joe Biden discuss a little bit first. One desperate act available to him, the violence of January the 6th. <laughs> and since that day, more than 1,200 people have been charged for their assault on the Capitol. Nearly 900 of them have been convicted or pled guilty. Collectively to date... They have been sentenced to more than 840 years in prison. Those are awkward starts. Yeah. That's the. What's Trump done? Instead of calling them criminals, he's called these these insurrectionists patriots. They're patriots. And he promised to pardon them if he returns to office. Trump said that there was a lot of love on January the 6th. (laughs) <laughs> the rest of the nation, including law enforcement, saw a lot of hate and violence. One Capitol Police officer called it a medieval battle. That same officer called vile rape was called vile racist names. He said he was more afraid. All right, that's enough of that. Mm. I don't know how you guys stomach this. I mean, we've all heard these lies for years. They keep peddling the same lies. They keep peddling the same lies. So, uh, I mean, he went on to say that multiple. Capitol Police officers died. Yeah, he said he attended some of the funeral. He said he attended a funeral for a Capitol Police officer. <laughs> did he go to the did guy he that died? Really? Did, well, he, did well, he go to the funeral of the guy who died of a heart attack several weeks later? Well, well they he, had uh, that officer in Capitol Hill. They put him in the rotunda, so oh. that's, that's how he attended it. But it was from, from obviously a stroke after the event. Yeah, he was um, literally walking around, like, just going on about his business after everything was over. Like, fine. Yeah, he fine. was fine. Yeah. No, and that's that that you know to what you alluded to, Christina. We have to continue to rehash this stuff and remind our listenership that there is so much at stake over the course of the next yeah, ten or eleven true. months. Here, you know, Donald Trump needs all the support he can get, and and if if some of just what you're hearing today even motivates you to simply pray or send a few bucks over to the campaign, then that's more that you were doing yesterday, and it's going to make a difference at the end. Because, listen. These guys have every facet of getting information out to the American public at their disposal, whether it's the print press, the media, it's the Internet, and and everything in between. Plus, when they roll Joe Biden out for these little 32-minute defrostings, you have to take into consideration how repressed Donald Trump's voice is, even though he's done a great job to break through a lot of the walls and safeguards that – you know, the establishment is set up to prevent him from getting to the American people. So much so is now he just goes out to the American people. He's like, oh, I'll go to UFC. I'll go to a football game. I'll go to a bakery. And it's a lot of the things he didn't get to take advantage of in 2020 that he's, you know, re-harnessed as part of his massive success that he's had in the pre-primary season right now as we're getting ready to run up to the Iowa caucus. Do you think that's a, a pretty accurate telling of the way things are right now, Christina? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you described it pretty well. Um, I think coming up... Coming up to the caucus, I think people are scared of the 15th because Donald Trump is going to prove what a decisive leader he is and how much the American people support him, in in this case, particularly the people of Iowa. Correct. I think I think his I, I don't even know what to call it. I think it's going to be huge. I think his huge his upcoming huge victory in Iowa is going to ruffle some feathers, I think. 
No, and, and when you look at what the long game is here, I mean, obviously the mainstream has decoupled themselves from Ron DeSantis. They've affixed themselves to mm-hmm. Nikki Haley. The way things go down in New Hampshire 10 days later, we're essentially going to get like six and a half more weeks of Nikki Haley after Iowa, even though she's going to get stomped there by Donald Trump. You have a lot of Democrats who had the ability before September concluded to change their uh, party affiliation and are able to vote in the Republican primary. It seems like that's going to be the play there. They'll make it closer than it should be. But I still think some of those polls that show are within four or five points are just completely retarded to be honest with you i think donald trump's going to win by There's a lot more there. true about that at all no i don't th- I, 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 I don't think so either but you know it, it's it's what they're going to do but then once you get past new hampshire and, and you have places like nevada where he's up by 50 points south carolina where he's up by 60 points and then you're rolling straight into super tuesday where he's going to sweep it across the board that's pretty yep. much when the nominations were all rolled up and we could put all of this stuff to bed I think that's exactly right. I think he will have the nomination on Super Tuesday. Um, The January 6th trial, the criminal trials, not going forward that Monday, which means Joe Biden is prosecuting his political opponent. I mean, we all know he's prosecuting his political opponent, but I mean, the the nominee, he's now prosecuting the nominee, which is Another another level of absurdity. Oh, it certainly is. I got one more clip from Valley Forge. We're all going to have to sit through it and, and just <laughs> hear the assault on MAGA Republicans. Let's check it out. To rewrite the facts of January 6th, Trump is trying to steal history <laughs> the same way he tried to steal the election. But he, we knew the truth because we saw it with our own eyes. He knew the truth. This wasn't like something, a story being told. It was on television repeatedly. We saw it with our own eyes. Trump's mob wasn't a peaceful protest. It was a violent assault. Mm. They were insurrectionists, not patriots. They weren't there to uphold the Constitution. They were there to destroy the Constitution. Trump won't do what an American president must do. He refuses to denounce political violence. Even the ones that picked up trash on the way out of the Capitol? So hear me clearly. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. United States political system. It has no place in a democracy. No. Screaming again. You can't be pro-insurrectionist and pro-American. And yet Trump and his MAGA supporters not only embrace political violence, but they laugh about it. At his rally, he jokes about an intruder whipped up by the big Trump lie, taking a hammer to Paul Pelosi's skull <laughs> and echoing the very same words used on January 6th. Where's Nancy? Good question. And he thinks that's funny. <laughs> he laughed about it. What a sick... <laughs> My- All right, we're not sitting through that applause. Oof, told some whoppers there. What do you guys think? Mm. They're all lies. I mean, they're, they're all lies. You know the truth. You saw it with your own eyes. It was on television. Oh, because everything that's on television is true. And the media is not biased at all. Okay, I believe you. Yeah, I can't think of several examples of things that were on television that were complete unco. And have all now demonstrably been proven false. Yeah. Well, remember, I mean, Shall we go through the list? Well, Joe Biden was the sensible moderate candidate that was going to bring right. historic transparency back to the White House. We all know yeah, how that's gone exactly. for the country. He's been the the puppet who's directing the most radical regime in the history of the galaxy right now. I've got transparent hair in my legs. Mm. Oh, you guys, seriously. 
<laughs> I can't stand thinking about him. Like what he's doing to our country is so awful that it it genuinely grieves me for this this battle that we're in because we shouldn't have to be in here but we've got and the worst part about it is it's a very small group of americans that just want to control everything for everyone mm -hmm. this is not a 50 50 thing and you know you hear these speeches we're like well half the country thinks this no 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 half the country doesn't think it like we're not this is not a 50 50 argument this is like an 80 20 argument Correct. and it's such a small but it's the 20 who have managed to sink their talons into control the federal government um that that's the worst part about all of this well you make an excellent point there guys wherever you're listening to the show today whether it's on apple spotify google podcast or iHeartRadio, make sure you're following the show and it's downloading to your electronic device in addition across social media is twitter getter true social and instagram find the steak for breakfast account hit the notification bell never miss out on anything steak for breakfast. So that was on Friday. There was a holiday on Saturday. It's a Democrat celebrated holiday, January 6th. Ooh! Groundhog Day in the DNC. And who better to... It's January 6th again. Mm -hmm. Welcome in and conclude the holiday season now than crooked Attorney General Merrick Garland. Of course, he was rolled out to give a brief speaking point on the importance of January 6th and, and what it means to the Democrat election calendar. Let's hear him. Since the January 6th attack, the Justice Department has engaged in what has become one of the largest and most complex and resource-intensive investigations in our history. We have initiated prosecutions and secured convictions across a wide range of criminal conduct on January 6th, as well as in the days and weeks leading up to the attack. We have secured convictions of those who brutally assaulted officers at the Capitol. We have secured convictions against those who obstructed the certification of the presidential election. Wait, he didn't say anything. We have secured killed. convictions yeah. of leaders of both the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers for seditious conspiracy. Been there. So far, we have charged over 1,250 individuals and obtained over 890 convictions in connection with the January 6th attack. Oh, God. Our work continues. <laughs> As I said before, the Justice Department will hold all January 6th perpetrators at any level accountable under the law. Even Whether the they were there. present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy. Now, Christina, <laughs> as an attorney and someone that's worked in and around the federal government for, for quite some time, uh, especially during the Trump administration. Tell me this, for the U.S. Attorney General of the United States to come out and memorialize that day, in addition, leads in with calling it an attack legally, how bad of a precedent does that set up for anybody who's wrapped up in the legal net that they're ensnared in right now for anything regarding what happened on January 6th in 2021? Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, they're taint doing everything they can to taint, not just the jury pool, taint the entire nation. And if you notice, he said they've, um, charged 1200, or I'm roughly summarizing. I think he said they've charged 1200 people with crimes and secured 800 convictions. A lot of, so that means there's 400 people that they do not yet have convictions on. A lot of those people are incarcerated and have been incarcerated for several years without yep. a trial. Um, and that should be very, very concerning to every American. What has happened to those other 400? And don't get me wrong. I think, I don't think there were 800 Trump supporters that orchestrated 
orchestrated this. I mean, there may have been people who got caught up and, you know, did something they weren't supposed to do. Sure. But I don't think any of them deserve jail time. And to the extent that there's violent criminals, it's hard to separate this because the prosecutions are only going one way. Correct. You know, and that that's the that's the part that is so unjust. I think it would be easier for the MAGA crowd to accept these convictions if we were seeing convictions of Ray Epps, if we were seeing convictions of people who weren't really on our side, but we're not. And we're seeing all the people on our side incarcerated indefinitely, pre-trial with no due process rights. So, you know, I, I just I think the whole thing is really, really tragic. Well, you almost broke breaking news there, Christina, because just coming across the wire this morning. Ooh. Ray Epps was convicted and received his sentence today for everything he did. No up, kidding. Up to and leading into the events of January 6th, which includes we must go into the Capitol and let me help you move the bike racks so we could all go in. Ray Epps was sentenced to one week year, year of probation. Oh. No way. And received a $500 fine. One year of probation. Correct. And that $500 fine came out of petty cash. <laughs> Unreal, and that'll be expunged later. I'm sure. sure will be. Meanwhile, back in the gulag for everybody else. Oh, that is that. I hadn't seen that news yet. Oh my gosh, that makes me really sad. Yeah, well, continue to get sadder because going right underneath all the Joe Biden speaking events. How much did that Jaden X guy get? He get anything? Some of the talking points from Big Mike Michelle Obama, which we'll hear on in just a sec, <laughs> and Merrick Garland trying to inflame. Everything regarding the Democrats' biggest national holiday, you had D.C. U.S. Attorney General Matthew Graves coming out and doing a speaking event on January 6th as well, making it very clear that they're nowhere near the investigation concluding. Check it out. And what happened inside of the building? An important note when it comes to our prosecutions about those who remained outside the building. We have used our prosecutorial discretion to primarily focus on those who entered the building, are those who engaged in violent or corrupt conduct on Capitol grounds. But if a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. They're going for everybody. Well, that's who... weird because I'm pretty sure I saw on video the police authorizing them to come in when they waved them in. So, oh, But he's talking about the people that were outside in front of the Capitol that went nowhere near the steps or anything, like the public place, which is the lawn leading up to the area, even before where the bike racks were. You mean where you're allowed he's to be? He's saying that's unauthorized? Yeah, he was saying that anyone that went near the Capitol grounds, not onto the Capitol grounds. Those or hot in dog the vendors grounds, are really in for it. Yeah, he said that the, that's thousands of people that they'll be looking to investigate now moving forward forward as they're continuing to widen it i mean we've talked about this before christine this is how we and there's been so many fbi whistleblowers they said you know this should have been something that was handled internally by the dc field office but because they continue to spiderweb all of these people out there and they live in idaho or montana or california or new mexico they've turned it into like a national level domestic terrorist event which is what they're calling it we obviously know it's not it wasn't an insurrection and nobody committed seditious conspiracy as well but this is how the next phase of this is rolling forward into the election season now everyone who was essentially in washington dc could be trapped in the net of january 6th and and basically persecuted and thrown in jail for no reason well they're using it as an excuse to go off go after their political opponents and i don't i don't mean candidates 
I mean, anybody who opposes them and they want to silence anybody who would think about opposing them in the future. I mean, it's just an authoritarian arm. It's a tactic used to scare anybody who could potentially speak out against them. It's the truth. I want to remind everybody in just a few minutes, we're going to be jumping in with the very iconic and extremely best dressed Mr. Roger Stone. He'll be joining us in, in just a few. I've got a couple more clips here. I did say that Joe Biden took it on down to South Carolina. He wanted to obviously rehash open the wounds from that horrible white supremacist event that happened down there several years ago where a man entered a church where people were conducting a Bible study. He then in turn joined the Bible study before killing every single person in there. Obviously the Democrats ran with that as like that one person in that small instance in time is every white person on the planet, especially here in America, double especially if you're a Trump voter. He was talking about democracy and everything in between. Let's check it out. Their homes, those pushing the big lie have a conspiracy theory among conspiracy theories that outweighs them all. That there's what, and, and, but here's oh. the fact. <laughs> there's where we don't have facts. Their whole theory has no facts, has huh? no proof, has no evidence. What? That's why time and again they lost in every court of law that challenged results. 60 losses in courts of America. Were they losses? There's one thing they don't no. have. They don't have respect for the 81 million people who voted the other way. And they forgot voted to give for my the today. And voted. Here comes the screaming. And the presidency. In their world, these Americans, including you, don't count. But that's not the real world. That's not democracy. That's not America. Oh. In America, we all count. In America, we witness to serve all those who, in fact, he just said we didn't don't count all those losers are taught to concede when they lose. He, he was burnt by Saturday. And he's a loser. Piping up Joe Biden. I want to go through this like, in order, Christina. Well, there's probably free gift cards or Maybe they got those No, cheeks. but that's what I mean. Like, I can't imagine genuinely oh, no. There's looking nobody. at Joe Biden, watching him slur his speech and be like, yeah, that's my leader. Like, I think mm. all those people at the Valley Forge Museum were just in and around the campus on Friday. And they're like, come on, we're going to have. No, they went out in like the common areas yep. and they, they just picked everyone that was wearing a mask and invited them in. Come on, we got punch, yeah. punch and pie in the auditorium. Like, come I got a good I gotta, shots inside. Yeah, come in. I got a good way to filter this crowd. Hold on a sec. Let's go through this one, Christina. Joe Biden said Donald Trump peddled the big lie and lost over 60 court cases regarding the 2020 presidential election. Both were unequivocally false. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not true. And it's also not true. He said at that, at that same time that he lost every case he brought. That's not true. There were several, um, a lot of the cases were brought on procedural grounds before the election because the way that the 2020 election was conducted was patently illegal in, in all of the swing states, the way that the secretaries of state rolled out their procedures. And so the challenges, he won the vast majority of those challenges. So um, I, think, I think he brought a total... I don't know the exact number, but it was around seven or eight um, with the swing state cases after the election. And those most of, were thrown out. All of them were thrown out on procedural grounds. Um, they were never given a chance to go to the merits, never given hearings to uh, present evidence. So, yeah, that's just patently untrue. No, it certainly is. And then, you know, obviously trying to dunk on Donald Trump and call him a big loser. Donald Trump answered and clapped back on Truth Social last night. He put out almost a six minute video clip 
outlining how he felt about Joe Biden's speaking events over the weekend. We'll hear that a little bit later in the show. I do have one more clip here with Christina, and it's the there there. Hillary Clinton was brought in to be a national-level campaign advisor for the Biden administration a few short weeks ago in regards to his re-election campaign. We saw Barack Obama, in lieu of the current president, deliver a holiday message to everybody, uh, to everyone within the Democrat Party, which is I thought was definitely kind of weird. Now mm-hmm. you've got Big Mike, Michelle Obama, who came out over the weekend and, and sat down for an exclusive interview where they talked about everything from how she feels about LeBron James and whether or not she could beat him one-on-one all the way to their dealings in Netflix. But when it got to asking questions about the upcoming election and, and the thing about Donald Trump, I think the real there there, this whole segment is this. Let's check it out. That yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm-hmm. And you wonder where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. What they're saying is they don't have their control anymore when Donald Trump wins the election in November. Everything she said was true. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I think it's interesting that she's concerned because, you know, if you remember in 2020, Donald Trump was like, he was so popular. Everybody thought it was going to be the MAGA wave. You know, his crowds were so big. Um, And yet you still had the Nancy Pelosi's of the world standing up there saying, Donald Trump is going to answer to the voters. They knew, they knew the fix was in. They were a lot more confident. Now, I don't even think, I, I do not believe that they're confident they have what it takes to rig this election. He is so popular. That's why they're doing these indictments. That's why they're doing all of these things that they know the American people hate because they are trying to hold on to this last grasp of power that that they have. Yeah, I, I made a point like that, but what, last year? And I was saying, like, they're going to have to go so above and beyond yeah. with their rigging that it's not even going to seem reasonable. Like, people are going to be watching the, po- the polls. They're going to be watching the drop boxes. Some of the drop boxes are going away, right? Yeah. And they're going to, if they do the same level of, of fuckery that they did last time, well, they're not going to like the results. There's going to be more people, votes cast than people in the country. Yeah. yeah That's gonna, the only way they can yeah. do it. They'll probably be. Well, I think, I think the numbers are completely fake. Yeah. And Correct. you can read about it in my book. But um, I, I, I don't believe, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen proof anyway, other than somebody from the secretaries of state office saying, you know, these are the numbers I certify. And everyone going, why aren't you accepting that? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't believe the secretary of state. Um, I'm not convinced that any of the numbers are, are accurate. Correct. They don't reconcile. No, it's, it's, it's the absolute facts. And it, well, Christina, there's never a shameless plug on straight steak. For <laughs> I gonna, can have a shameless plug here and there. We're going to be live <laughs> linking everything in the show description today. Obviously all the great work that you're going to be doing, including your book, because you are uh, what we like to consider one of our favorite best-selling authors and everyone that wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out? Uh, it's called Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means for 2024. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I'm on X and Instagram at Christina underscore Bob. Absolutely love it, and we absolutely love when she gets to join us on the show. We're going to be jumping in with Roger Stone in just a second, but we're going to say goodbye to one of our favorites, Miss Christina Bob. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, guys. Guys, let's check in real quick with one of our partners before we get started with Roger Stone. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family, has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed... 
long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. All right. Joining us first on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's been described as both infamous and famous. He's definitely a political icon. And there's no debate that he is the best dressed man in the America First movement. Mr. Roger Stone, welcome back to the show. Delighted to be here, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. well we're going to jump right into it here. Listen, Roger, you've seen a lot in, in regards to presidential campaigns over the years. Nobody's run a race like Donald Trump. There's only been one similar race like his. That's Grover Cleveland's back in the late 1800s where a president ran for a non-incumbent term. Here we are a week away from the Iowa caucus. What's your uh, best analysis of the race that Donald Trump's won to this point, and what do you think we're going to be expecting here as we actually get into the primary season? Well, first of all, I think it's important to recognize that when it comes to Donald Trump, all of the conventional rules of politics are out the window. He's a phenomena unto himself. We've never had a business person as president. All of our previous presidents have either been senators or governors or congressmen or generals. Uh, so until Donald Trump came along, there's never been anything like it. Uh, there's no question that the actions of his enemies, and I don't say opponents, because he poses such an existential threat to the established order, to the status quo, to the uniparty, uh, that you know they're trying to lock him up and put him in jail because they fear if they don't, well, he'll be elected president by a landslide. So uh, having worked for Ronald Reagan, having been through an Iowa caucus situation in which Reagan had a 20-point lead in the polls, but then lost the Iowa caucuses in an upset because George H.W. Bush had spent so much time uh, and so many resources on the ground. Uh, Donald Trump uh, and his team uh, are not making that mistake at all. In fact, uh, I think uh, that under the leadership of Susie Wiles uh, and Chris LaCivita uh, and James Blair, they have built probably the best uh, identification and turnout mechanism in the history of the Iowa caucuses. Trump himself is was just there. Uh, he's campaigned very hard in the state. Uh, he's working the phones very hard. He's taking nothing whatsoever for granted. Uh, and I expect uh, that he will that he will win. Win being defined as coming in first, getting more votes than the other candidates. What will be interesting, of course, is what happens after that. Meaning. Ron DeSantis has invested enormous time and enormous resources uh, in Iowa, but his campaign still lacks a rationale. If you want the America First candidate, well, the champion, the founder of the America First movement is running. That's Donald Trump. Uh, and if you want a neocon Bush Republican who go around the world looking for the next uh, foreign war to dive into, well, you've got that too in Nikki Haley. So, um, Here's what I predict uh, if this come, goes down the way I think it will. If Haley comes in second, a distant second to Trump, uh, and just, it just is right on her tail, the headline will be 
Haley beats DeSantis in Iowa upset. Subhead, Trump comes in first as expected, or Trump wins as expected. So uh, the media is going to downplay any well-deserved victory by President Trump, and they're going to try to make whoever is second a contender. Uh, and they do that going into New Hampshire, knowing that New Hampshire is a state that allows uh, independents to vote. Uh, I, I don't think it matters. I think Trump will triumph in both states. But uh, as folks are looking ahead, look for that corporate media, that that fake news media ta uh, tactic, because that will definitely be used. Oh, that's an excellent point you make. You know, we've touched on it on the show here. Democrats and independent, they had up until September to change their party affiliations. Everybody knows that Joe Biden tried to change the dates of the New Hampshire and South Carolina primaries, where back in 2020, he got his first win in the Democrat primary in South Carolina. He wanted that to be his first one for this election cycle. New Hampshire refused. He's not going to be on the ballot. Therefore, you might see a little bit more participation. I kind of see it shaken down the same way you do, Roger. I just think it's going to be annoying over the course of six weeks in between New Hampshire and Nevada. We're going to have to listen to how strong of a showing Nikki Haley had there, and that's only because people who obviously are never Trumpers or from the other parties or just getting enticed to vote as independents to kind of hurt Donald Trump in New Hampshire. I think he's going to win, obviously, the Iowa caucus and New Hampshire primary as well, but this will probably be end of Ron DeSantis' campaign, as you uh, so elegantly alluded to. And then we'll have to deal with just hearing about Nikki Haley for six more weeks before we get into Nevada, where Donald Trump has a huge lead in the primary poll there. And then, of course, South Carolina ahead of Super Tuesday, where I think he's up almost 50 points on Nikki Haley in her former home state as well. You know, you mentioned a couple things I do want to touch on, though. The first one is the Trump campaign. They've reharnessed a lot of that lightning and, and strength they've had on the campaign trail back going to the 2016 cycle. A lot of people didn't think if they'd be able to do it. I think, uh, you know, for how much the game has changed since 2016, they've kind of redefined and continue to do so the way the Republican political playbook is going to be written moving forward. But when you want to talk about, like, you know, fiscally how much better they've done it this election cycle and how much more of a touchable candidate even Donald Trump is in 2024 as he was in 2020. You know, everybody was using the guise of COVID to kind of keep him off the campaign trail, but he's back going to do some of that retail politics. He's gone out to the Iowa Fair a bunch of times. Obviously, some of these huge sporting events, even in deep blue cities where he's so well-received, Reminding the American public, even after being demonized so hard in the media throughout the course of his first term and, and obviously up to now, it seems like a lot of people are starting to remember not only how good life was, but how much they actually enjoyed Donald Trump, the person. Do you think that's a huge uh, you know, factor that's leading into all the success he's had moving forward in addition to the ones he had during his first term as president? Well, I'd make two points. One, Trump is a happy warrior. You can see that he loves campaigning. He loves people. Uh, he loves uh, he loves uh, uh, going on the attack. Uh, when you consider the stress level uh, and the fact you've got federal and state prosecutors trying to lock him up for 600 years uh, and having spent time with him recently, I must say that uh, the guy acts like and seems like he doesn't have a care in the world. He's resolute. He's determined. He's extraordinarily confident that he was going to win. Uh, he's, he's got an excellent mood. Uh, but I also point out that his campaign, uh, unlike 2020, uh, and actually unlike 2016, is being extraordinarily well run. Uh, they're extremely well organized. Their budgeting is very careful and very shrewd because they're budgeting for the long haul. Uh, the campaign doesn't leak. Uh, they have attracted and recruited some of the best talent uh, in the country. 
their knowledge of campaign technology is completely up to date. Uh, Chris Lasavita uh, is one of the best strategists as well as the best mechanics, uh, one of the best uh, organizers in the party. Uh, Susie Wiles, I think, really understands her candidate and understands presidential level politics. And of course, because she previously worked briefly for Ron DeSantis, she has a uh, a distinct understanding of his vulnerabilities and idiosyncrasies. So I think that has made for an extraordinarily effective campaign by the president. Uh, and then, uh, look, would I like to see him back on X, formerly known as Twitter? Yes, I would. Uh, but it, it, you can't deny that even when he posts on True Social, it bleeds over anyway sure. to Twitter in a very, very big way. So he's a master communicator. He's at the top of his game. Uh, it, it proves, by the way, that running for president or being pre being president has nothing whatsoever to do with age. Age is a relative number. It has to do with your condition. He's in top form. He's in top health. He's in top shape. Uh, he's lost a little weight. Uh, he looks great, uh, and uh, I, I think he's. I think the the stars are lining up in such a way that hopefully this nomination process will be over relatively quickly. Now, what you don't want is what Reagan had, which was long past the period that Reagan had enough delegates to be nominated. When it was absolutely clear that he had a lock on the nomination, George H.W. Bush, because he still had money, remained in the race uh, and tried to contend in late primaries, which I think leaves the party divided uh, and saps badly needed resources. So Nikki Haley has uh, unlimited, it appears, sums of establishment and anti-Trump money, much of it from liberal Democrats, by the way. Uh, and therefore, after she takes her beating uh, in these early contests, the question is, is she smart enough to fold her tent uh, and slink away into the night? We have to hope that she is. Uh, I, I really believe, despite the fact that he's out denying it today, the DeSantis candidacy is over. It was a bad decision to begin with, uh, driven, I think, uh, by his wife, um, who was overly ambitious, to say the least. Uh, but it, it, he just doesn't connect with voters. He has no overarching message. Uh, look, if you have a choice of hearing the Beatles or hearing a Beatles tribute band, <laughs> which are you going to do? You're going to go for the Beatles. Sure. Donald Trump, you've got the real deal. We, we don't need a we don't need a pale imitation. Uh, who you know? Who also seems to me to cater too much to the to the donor class. So he wants tariffs on China until his donors object. Then he doesn't want them. He he doesn't want to ship more money to Ukraine until his donors object. Now he does want to give them more more uh, uh, money. So uh, I think he's done. Uh, and it's not just being done in this contest. In all honesty, I think he's done irreparable harm to his political brand right here in the state of Florida. Because he's MIA. We have an insurance crisis. We have a utility rate crisis. Crime is creeping up. All those grandiose promises he made about banning them from teaching CRT in the schools, it was a great press release. It was great media, but it's not the reality. Right here in the county I live in, uh, the county has just adopted an ADL-approved curriculum that is white hate, that mm -hmm. is, you know, which is certified CRT. So um, for all of his rhetoric... Uh, it doesn't match the record. And instead of solving the problems here in Florida, he's too busy running around Iowa in what I think is a hopeless pursuit.
No, it's the truth. And, uh, you know, when you look at the way things have shaken down and, and you want to reference some of the things, you know, Tucker Carlson said recently that whole zero sum people comment, it goes into exactly the point you're making. You know, some of these candidates, it looks like due, due to the fact both in the polls and, and how not well they're received out on the campaign trail. I mean, there's a difference between Donald Trump walking into a packed arena in Iowa or how he's received at a football game or the Iowa State Fair than there is when Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley walks into a coffee shop and nobody wants to talk to them. And, and that goes back into the narrative of, What's going on with Donald Trump? And it's how the weaponization of the justice system has been used against him. I mean, you've seen it over the years with other presidents. Roger, probably never as much or even during a campaign as much as it is now. How much of a factor do you think that's going to continue to play into this, both from the sides of the other candidates and Donald Trump? And do you think at the end of the day, Donald Trump and the America First movement are going to be able to beat these you know, sham and, and hoax cases that they're trying to put on him and just be able to focus on the presidency at some point? Well, it's a counterintuitive. Normally speaking, when a candidate is uh, under federal or state indictment, their campaign collapses and their money dries up. But I think the American people are seeing through this. They recognize that it is completely politically motivated, uh, that these charges against him are baseless. They're largely fabricated. Uh, and they're really just uh, election interference. So, um, uh, look, I'm not an attorney, and uh, I'm not uh, I'm not privy to his attorney's strategy. Uh, but I do think that he's going to win politically. Uh, the question is, uh, to what extent uh, do these indictments of him in various jurisdictions uh, steal time from his campaign, time that he should be spending in swing states, time that he should be spending in crucial primaries? Uh, resources in terms of money, because these lawyers need to be paid. Sure. Uh, I think that is that is the intention. Uh, could Donald Trump be elected from a prison cell? It's conceivable. It's actually conceivable. Uh, as long as he's not convicted of any crime that precludes him from being president, uh, then I think he's likely to be elected president. Uh, you made a good point, which is the backdrop for this uh, is important to understand. The policies of Joe Biden are hurting the country. We have uh, we have an invasion of illegals that is causing gigantic uh, fiscal and economic problems at the state, city, and county level, uh, where American citizens are being asked to foot the bill for these illegals. We have three hundred seventy thousand homeless veterans in the United States. But we are we're too wor busy worrying about the social services for people who are here illegally. Uh, inflation is destroying working class families. Uh, gasoline prices, uh, while they may be artificially uh, manipulated at the moment in anticipation of an election, we've seen some of the highest gas prices in our history, and they will go back up if Joe Biden were to get reelected. Uh, so, uh, and we're on the cusp of a World War III in at least two different theaters. Uh, I think the American people now, indeed, they're wistful uh, about Donald Trump, about the days of peace and prosperity that we had under Donald Trump. Uh, and that comparison, the, the, the Trump record with the Biden record, I think is one of the absolute keys to winning this election. Yeah, and the thing that's helping out Joe Biden most is which I want to touch on you briefly next is, is the collaboration of the media. You know, for someone who's able to beat the media narrative as, as well as Donald Trump does, he doesn't get a break from them almost ever. It's almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week of just negative press. I saw a panel on CNN this weekend. Roger, within a minute and 30 seconds, they were able to complain about the Dilly meme team. 
they were able to talk and and rehash open the fake narrative that Donald Trump is in fact a racist and then remind everybody that the Access Hollywood tapes existed. And I'm, I'm just listening to this piece right here and I was like, man, they're throwing so much stuff at the wall. It, it's amazing how nothing sticks. You know, not only is Donald Trump able to blast through their narratives, even when he's not on places like X right now, but the fact of the matter is you've, you've seen uh, the, the numbers rising for Asians and Hispanics and African Americans that are going to potentially vote for him in 2024. And you know, how do you think that is that Donald Trump continues? Is it solely his track record alone? Is it the fact that the American public at the end of the day knows who he is? There's no confusion or like mystery to the person that Donald Trump is because he's been such a, a public figure for so long. What do you think it is that he's able to find? He's found the equation to beat the media. It's just that he's not getting any breaks from them in the meantime. Well, first of all, I think people do know what he did. They know what he's capable of. First of all, I should also say I love the Daily Mean team. I think they've done an extraordinary job uh, of exposing uh, Ron DeSantis for what he is. Agreed. A treacherous, backstabbing weasel who uh, owes his entire political success to Donald Trump. Let's be very clear. Ron DeSantis was an unknown congressman with an ill-fitting suit and a bad haircut. Uh, who no one ever heard of until he was plucked from obscurity by a benevolent Donald Trump, whose endorsement catapulted him to the Republican nomination for governor. Even then, he was such a poor communicator and such a poor candidate. Trump had to change his schedule three times in the last two weeks of 2018 to return to Florida and literally drag Ron's sorry ass across the finish line. Uh, Also helped pull in Senator Rick Scott. Uh, so uh, it is uh, it's really extraordinary uh, that the media doesn't understand that these that recycling these same narratives is not going to work. It's just not going to work. Uh, you know, it, it is just there's a certain irony that the people who are trying to lock up their chief political opponent say that Trump is the danger to to democracy. The people who are trying to censor what you and I can say on social media, they say that, Trump is the danger to democracy. The people who are illegally spying on 278,000 Americans without warrants or dipping into the 702 database something like four and a half million times to pull data on American citizens, they say that that Donald Trump is the danger to democracy. This is Alinskyism. I mean, everything they are doing is what they accuse us of planning to do. Uh, it, it's And then for the special counsel, Jack Smith, to say Trump, if reelected, uh, there's no reason to there's no reason to believe that he would not in his first State of the Union address call for the murder of members of Congress who don't agree with him. Yep. That's that's just insanity. That's that's Trump derangement syndrome writ large. Rogers, we're getting ready to wrap with you here, and this has been absolutely fantastic sitting down with you again. We hope that at some point in the future you'll be able to come back and join us. You know, you are the. Uh, say all when it comes to who the best and worst dressed of you know politics is and and you recently had put out your your 2023 finalists and winners as as we're fresh into the new year do you want to give our listenership a little bit of a recap on on who did it and who absolutely couldn't do it uh back in 2023 sure uh i've been doing this now for 15 years it's called my international best and worst dressed list it's a it's a tradition that i inherited from uh, the late Mr. Blackwell, who was a syndicated columnist who for 48 years produced this list. And then when he died in 2008, I picked up that mantle. Uh, some of these are obvious on my worst address list, uh, Jill Biden. <laughs> uh, 
standpoint. I mean, the woman, I don't know whether those are, are kitchen curtains or tablecloths or part of a rug or maybe an old sofa, but uh, this woman has no idea what she looks good in. She, she's just a god-awful. Uh, by the way, last year, her husband was on my best dress list. I don't like Joe Biden, but I won't deny that his choice of neckwear is impeccable. Uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, he's a progressive leftist uh, under investigation and corruption scheme, trying to deal with the fact that he thought it was great to have New York City as a as a, a, a sanctuary city until it wasn't. Uh, but he's still extraordinarily well dressed. Steve Bannon, what can I say? The guy looks like he chases down hobos. Uh, <laughs> or he, maybe he's getting him out of a dumpster. Uh, by the way, Steve, you might try shaving and washing your hair; it wouldn't hurt either. Mm. Uh, and then John Fetterman. I mean, I just don't understand the violation of decorum. I mean, you represent the United States and the people of Pennsylvania. Put on a jacket and tie. You, wearing, you know, cut off cargo shorts, a baggy t-shirt, uh, and a, and a dirty hoodie uh, is not the way to go. I mean, it's interesting to me that when Chuck Schumer, the Senate. Uh, majority leader who dresses like uh, an aluminum siding salesman from Los La uh, from Long Island anyway, uh, relaxed the Senate dress code rules to accommodate this, the slovenly nature of John Fetterman. Uh, this A bipartisan group of senators overrode him to reinstate the requirement that male members wear a jacket and tie on the Senate floor. Uh, I think that's a great thing. Sure. Uh, it's about respect for the institution. It's about decorum. So, uh, you know, you can check out my best and worst dress list by going to stonezone.com. In fact, you can test out, check out everything about Roger Stone, my, my daily show, Stone Zone, uh, which you can get at stonezone.com, my WABC New York radio show on the weekends. That's also posted at Stone Zone. Or if you want to get your very own Roger Stone, this is a stone to which I have signed my name. Uh, it's a paperweight. Uh, you can find these in the store uh, or my if you want to read about Jeffrey Epstein, you can get my book, The Clinton's War on Women. I'm the first American who really wrote extensively about the Epstein scandal. Yep. Again, all available at StoneZone.com in the store. Great to be with you. No, great to be with you as well, Roger. We're going to be live linking your website, obviously the Rumble channel as well, WABC Radio, where you can hear your awesome Sunday show. And where can they find you on social media? Uh, I am uh, on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, at uh, Roger J. Stone Jr., Roger J. Stone Jr. Uh, I'm over at uh, True Social at Real Roger Stone. Uh, I'm on Telegram. I think I'm also at Roger J. Stone Jr. Uh, but those are the big three. Now, I want to point out, there is a Roger Stone on Facebook. That is not me, folks. Uh, yes, he's taken my graphics from X. Yes, th whoever this person is, he or she or them. They cross post everything I put up on X almost immediately to give you the impression that that's me on Facebook. I'm banned for life on Facebook. So that is not me. Uh, don't send them any financial information. Uh, don't buy crypto from them or anything else. Uh, there's also a Roger Stone who's verified on, on uh, YouTube, uh, uh, classic Roger Stone. That's not me either, folks. So you have to be somewhat discerning. Follow me on X or, or True Social uh, or Telegram. Those are the places where I really am. We'll have all the correct links locked in the show description today. Roger, again, awesome sitting down with you. This is the New York Times bestselling author, political icon, Trump loyalist. And I want to remind everybody that Roger Stone did nothing wrong. Mr. Roger Stone, thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of the week.
Thank you. God bless you. Joe Biden gave that ridiculous speech yesterday because he can't talk about any of the things that he's done. He's got no successes. All he can talk about is we're a threat to democracy. But he's a threat to democracy. I say it always back. I, I always put Joe Biden as a threat to democracy. Crooked Joe is a complete and total failure as a president. Everyone knows it. His people know it. I find it hard to believe that they're going to let him go. And I found it hard to believe the first time. That was, you know. 2020, I found it very hard to believe that they were going to let him go. I thought he was terrible, but, you know, they rigged it, and it's and they have an advantage. The Democrats have a voting advantage because they have certain groups that are going to vote for him no matter what. They sort of have like 39% of the vote no matter what, no matter who it is, and he's at 38. So, you know, he's he's one below the number that's impossible to get at. We have to do it the old fashioned and Donald Trump was back on the campaign trail doing four big events in Iowa this weekend. Noah, before we jump into this, and the clapback against Joe Biden's speeches, which Donald Trump delivered from Mar-a-Lago last night. What you think of sitting down with Roger Stone? Always great sitting down with him. Outstanding. Always good to have that guy. I thought it was pretty funny when we touched on his best and worst dress of 2023. He did call <laughs> Steve Bannon a homeless person that needed to wash his hair and Oof. shave every once in a while. Brutal. That's a, that's harsh. No love lost between those two guys. But getting back to this, Donald Trump did four events this weekend in Iowa. They were packed. Do you think he hangs his... Laundry to dry on the ramparts. <laughs> we need ramparts, not Bibles. But he does sell Bibles, so it's kind of weird that he always discourages us from using them. Weird. Maybe not reading them. And and Donald Trump looked as strong as ever. The events were packed. The venues weren't huge. But here's the thing. Donald Trump is meeting with a lot of these commit to caucus people in, in the events that he's holding. And what I think we're, we're getting here is the actual team that's going to be working next Monday during the Iowa caucus. And no, can you believe it? After all of this bullshit that we've gone through over the course of the last couple of years, we're just six short days away from hanging our first W of the primary season. I can't wait. We need it. We certainly do. We need some positivity. Well, Donald Trump wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the potential of World War Three kicking off before he hits back to the White House. Let's hear it. Oh, that's fun too. <laughs> he has done such damage to this country. And, you know, what can he do in 10 months? You might end up in World War III. You could end up in World War III with his character. And then he gets up and talks like we're the devil, all of us. I mean, basically, it's MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. He doesn't even know what. If I said define MAGA, he would have no idea. It's called Make America Great Again. Maybe you've heard of it. That's all it is. It's nothing sinister. It's so sad. It's so sad. I mean, these people are more dangerous than the so-called enemy. You know, uh, China, if you're smart, you can handle China. If you're smart, you can handle Russia. I ended the Russian pipeline. He approves it. Then I then he says, I was soft on Russia. I was the <laughs> toughest on Russia, and Putin liked me. I liked, I got along. It's nice to get along with people that have nuclear weapons. Don't you think it's, uh, it's really nice if you think about it? You know, it was funny because... Obviously, the the speaking events that Joe Biden gave Friday at Valley Forge and, and Saturday down in South Carolina obviously irked him because he was very poignant talking about lost court cases when that wasn't the case, uh, disenfranchising the 75 million voters who you know, went out and, and tried to elect Donald Trump in 2020, regardless of all the funny business that happened. You know, Joe Biden talks about bringing the nation together and then calls our movement the biggest threat to democracy and and. Consequently, will be the end of the republic. And then, you know, went, went as far as calling Donald Trump a loser for claps, which probably needed the applause button to be initiated. But, you know, Noah called it in the, in the first news segment. Those those applauses came very... Yeah, it was not uh, 
very organic. Organic, yeah. And, you know, Donald Trump's going to get his. And if Joe Biden wants to go around and, and read some completely false talking points on the campaign trail, eventually, if he has the balls to debate Donald Trump in the general election season, there will be a reckoning for the current, air quoting now, President of the United States. In addition to World War III kicking off, Donald Trump outlined some of the other things as part of the stakes and how they couldn't be higher. Let's check it out. The stakes for this election could not be higher under crooked Joe Biden. Our borders, if you noticed, and I'm sure nobody's noticed, our borders have been erased. They've been obliterated. We have people coming in, millions and millions of people coming in. They're coming in from prisons. They're coming in from mental institutions. They're terrorists. Millions of people are coming in that shouldn't be here. Uh, If you look at the worlds, not just the three or four nations that we think about, you know, whether it's Mexico or uh, if you, anyone, any one of the nations. You could also, by the way, you know, we also have a northern border that's not exactly doing too well. But if you look Honduras, El Salvador, any one of these nations, it's not them. It's everybody all over the world. They caught uh, prisoners the other day from the Congo. When I say caught, they catch them and they release them. We used to catch them and release them into Mexico. Do you remember? We released them into May. It was called catch and release into Mexico. And they gave that up. You think that was easy to get from Mexico? No, but they did it. They did it. They did it very gladly. We didn't have to pay. Now they want billions of dollars to help us with this problem. And with me, they never even asked for billions of dollars. I said, you're going to pay billions of dollars if you don't help us with this problem. But all over the world, we're talking about not just the countries near us or the countries only in South America. They, they do. They come from the Congo. They come from Africa. They come from Asia. They, many people from China. Uh, they happen to be about the age of this gentleman right here, you know, around 20 for perfect, perfect age in his early 20s. Just perfect for the military, isn't it, huh? 27,000 people from China, all males, all between 20 and 25. Perfect for the military. I wonder what that's all about. So it's a pretty scary thing. We have them coming in from Russia, the same thing. They all seem to be between 19 and 24 or 25. I wonder wonder why that that is. We're going to be paying a price, but we'll take care of it. We get in, we're going to be taking care of it. We're going to have no choice but to take care of it. We're not going to. And that was some people in the audience calling to deport them all, which I kind of happen to like. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're in that demographic as well. I can dig it. Speaking of which, it looks like we might have Big Tom Homan, our favorite Thanos, back on the show Friday. They've reached out today and uh, want to finalize, so we'll be making sure that that's booked for Friday as well. should be a great episode. And, and be talking about all the stuff that Donald Trump's got going on on the campaign trail regarding Agenda 47. But I think when you listen there and and hear about the way he dealt with some of these other countries, man, I don't know if you've heard Noah over the course of the last 24 hours, the president of Mexico put out the stipulations for slowing the flow to the border. Really? Yeah. I'm not going to get into it now. We're going to be talking about it in our (laughs) next edition of the show. Go on. Tell me more. (laughs) You want to talk about the figurative gun that he put to Joe Biden's head yesterday and how embarrassing it looks for us on the world stage. You could tell that there's zero leadership when it comes to geopolitics, especially when referencing our closest neighbors like Canada and Mexico. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, hope you're enjoying it. It was a great segment we did with Roger Stone. We're going to be sitting down with Tennessee Congressman Andy Ogles in just a bit. 
talking about all the business we have in the Republican House moving forward here as they're getting ready to reconvene tomorrow. Please make sure you're downloading the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Hit the follow button, hit the plus button on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or iHeartRadio. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. Since the holiday season, downloads are way up, but we could always do better. And all it does is help amplify your voice, massages the algorithms, brings us up in the suggestions for political podcasts, and of course, that Apple Top 100. Nothing makes people like Charlie Kirk and Steve Bannon seethe more when our completely unfunded and free podcast is moving up the charts and eventually will catch them. In addition, social media is Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. Donald Trump did have a little bit of humor while he was uh, out on the campaign trail here, Noah. You know, he always finds people in the audience that's either wearing like a cool Trump outfit or someone that, you know, has been making eye contact with him and waving and giving him a thumbs up the whole time. At these Commit to Caucus events, these are a little bit more intimate than the rallies. There's there's a lot of people there, but we're talking about hundreds, not thousands. And these are going to be the generals who are going to be leading the caucus events next Monday. But you want to know what? You might be single. Mm. You might not only be wanting to caucus for Trump, but you might be ready to mingle. Donald Trump understands this. People have wants and needs. And who knows? Maybe at a Trump-sponsored caucus event, you find the one. He alluded to this a little bit. Let's check it out. <laughs> at a caucus and find your caucus location, which is often different than where you normally vote. So you got to remember that at ia.donaldjtrump.com. So you'll get it and you'll figure it out and uh, it'll be, we'll figure it out all very quickly. I'll be figuring it out with you, but we'll get at it. It's actually fun. You meet great people. It's uh, something very nice about it, to be honest. It's... Uh, who knows? If you're not married, maybe you'll meet somebody, the love of your life. <laughs> you'll say he was the greatest president. I met the love of my life. I was caucusing and I met some beautiful guy or some beautiful person, woman. And uh, we, uh, we're going to appreciate it. We got we to win this election. We're delighted to be joined today by some real. How great would it be <laughs> if somebody's at a caucus event in, in this Man finds a woman who just finishes his sentence. Life was just better under Trump. Mm. He was the greatest president in the history of the world. Mm. I can't wait to see. He will circle back to this eventually. We'll find the couple that met and eventually gets married at a Donald Trump caucus event next Monday. We do always talk about here on the show, getting back to the important stuff here, how precise and well-oiled Donald Trump's team has been this election cycle. Fiscally, they've been fantastic. Leak-wise, hasn't been any. You want to talk about all the other stuff, logistics of everything from retail politics to where they're holding rallies, what the talking points are, and how we're continuing to rework Agenda 47 on the campaign trail. All huge points. All the credit goes back to his team and the fact that Donald Trump can deliver on the messaging all the time as well. The polls are out of control. We'll get to that in a bit. And how Donald Trump continues to surge, even though you would think there's not very many points left to take from, there's always going to be a few left from Meatball Ron until he decides to get out. But Donald Trump has a mentality. Chris Lasavita discussed this with us when he joined us on the show a few months ago. Let's hear the 45th president allude to it. And we're going to do something. And here's the thing. We have these polls that show us we're 35, 40 points up. Forget them. Pretend we're one point down like you young guy in the front with a beautiful hat on. 
Pretend we're one point down. Forget about 35, 40 points up. You know, nationwide, we're 64 points up. Okay, 64 points up. And I think in your state, we're like 40, but forget that. Pretend you're down one point. What do you think, Mike? Is that good? That's a good idea, right? One point down, but you have to get out and vote because it sets a tone. It even sets a tone, frankly, for November. It certainly does. And, and with that sense of urgency that they've used the entire time that they've ran this campaign, it, it seems to be working for Donald Trump. I do want to touch on some polls that came out, though. And regardless, they're going to be campaigning like they're one point down. But the 2024 Iowa Republican Caucus poll came out yesterday. Morning consult, Trump 58, Nikki Haley 15, Ron DeSantis now in third, 14%, Ramasalani 10, Christie 2, Hutchinson 1. I also saw with North, New Hampshire coming up, Noah, you know, we talked about that and how some Democrats are going to be voting for Nikki Haley instead of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. In, in just about two weeks, I saw this article came out yesterday. New Hampshire sends a cease and desist letter to the DNC, tells them to quit claiming that the state's early primary is meaningless because Joe Biden isn't on the ballot. <laughs> and, and we all know that plays directly into the games that they're trying to do here. Um, I do have a general election poll coming up here. This is from multiple states. The biggest swings, Arizona, Trump 41, Biden 35, RFK Jr. 10, Georgia, Trump 42, Biden 34, RFK Jr. 8, Florida, Trump 45, Biden 34, RFK Jr. 9, Pennsylvania, Donald Trump still maintains his one-point advantage, as we reported on our Friday edition of the show, Trump 40, Biden 39, RFK Jr. 6, Michigan, Trump 39, Biden 37. That's a big flip for Donald Trump there. Uh which he won in 2016, did not, apparently, in 2020. Biden, 37, RFK Jr., 9, and North Carolina, one that was heavily disputed up until about a week after the election. Right now, Donald Trump, 37, Joe Biden, 33, RFK Jr., 11%. So, you know, there's a lot of numbers coming out that are suggesting a lot of good news for the Trump campaign, and they're looking to continue to just hammer it home on the campaign trail and not taking their foot off the gas, which needs to be the plan I think when you talk about how successful they're going to be and how big these margins are going to wind up as soon as, you know, we start making it official beginning next Monday with the Iowa caucus. Last one I've got here, one that came out this morning from Triple P polls, presidential, North Carolina, Trump 66, Haley 12, DeSantis 9, Ramaswamy 4, Christie 3. That's a Republican primary poll down in North Carolina. And then in the governor's race, one of our favorite MAGA patriots, Definitely wouldn't want to be in a dark alley with this guy. Big Mark Robinson, 55%. His nearest challenger is at 15. So it looks like we're going to be getting a great America first governor and Trump ally there as well. I also saw some ratings come out, Noah. You know, they did the town halls with Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley last week, and then they did a little Q&A with Donald Trump. They're doing the same thing this week leading up into, you know, CNN's going to have that debate on Wednesday, the same day that Donald Trump's going to be sitting down with Brett Baer and, and Martha McGallum to do a town hall there, but Nikki Haley went yesterday, Ron DeSantis goes tonight, and then Donald Trump will be counter-programming to the CNN debate, Haley versus Meatball, Ooh. on Wednesday. But when Donald Trump was on Fox News last week, he got 3.3 million viewers. Pretty good numbers. Yeah. Nikki Haley, 562,000. So to, so to say that she's doing anything in the polls. She's not. She's really not. No. And, you know, it's... <laughs> but thanks for showing up. They're going to... Honorable con- mention. They will continue to manufacture this narrative. Donald Trump had one of his closeouts from the multiple events he did the other day. Let's check it out. 
movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you very much. Iowa, thank you. Seems like these people are really hungry to get out there on the campaign trail and start making it official, and we'll start seeing that again on Monday. I did talk about the clapback from Joe Biden speaking events. So I was at home last night, Noah, doing a little pre-production, writing up the show map for today Mm -hmm. and thinking about how we were going to lay things out. And then all of a sudden I saw, you know, and Donald Trump's always posting. I jump on True Social and I see he's like, you know, got a campaign event here and he's reposting editorials where people are saying how great he's doing. And listen, it's all the truth. But I also saw that he put out a little video that was kind of like it was in the 10 o'clock hour. On, on the West Coast, so it was essentially the middle of the night there, and seemed like he wasn't too happy with what Joe Biden was talking man, about at his speaking events. The man doesn't sleep. He did want to, in fact, remind him that not only is the boomerang going to come around, but if Joe Biden wants to continue to play games and go after, indict, disenfranchise, and incorporate election interference against his top political rival, well, there's going to be a couple things, including indictments waiting for Joe Biden. On the other half of getting sworn in in 2025, let's check it out. He's afraid to say, we have a Manchurian candidate in Joe Biden. We have to get him out. By weaponizing the DOJ against his political opponent, me, Joe Biden has opened a giant Pandora's box. As president, I was protecting our country and doing a great job of doing so. And the historians will be saying that. They already are. But just look around at the complete mess that crooked Joe Biden has caused. He's the worst president in the history of our country by far. He's also the most corrupt president. The least I'm entitled to is presidential immunity, just like any other president would get. I'd be the only one that they would even consider not giving me immunity. Because for whatever reason, people are angry that I've done such a good job and I've replaced people that were corrupt, that were supposed to be president. So take on the fake Biden indictments. They're all Biden indictments. These aren't indictments, as we say, like God coming down from heaven and saying you did something wrong. <laughs> These were indictments given and pushed by Joe Biden. And he told his DOJ to do it. Don't believe anything else. He told his DOJ to do it. Go and indict him because he's losing badly in the polls, so badly that he figures this is the only way that he can win. The only problem is that thus far, it's pushed us way up in the polls, higher than anybody's ever been, actually, because people see it's a scam and they see it's a persecution and they don't like it when it comes to anything, but certainly not when it comes to a president. They're running a political campaign in a dirty way, even worse than they did previously. And frankly, it's never happened in our country before. It only happens in third world countries or banana republics. They're using their Department of Injustice to go after <laughs> his a political appointment. And this is all him.
100% him. He's the one that told them to do it, and they obey his orders. It's a shame. Never happened in the United States before, but it's happened now. And he has to be careful, because that can happen to him also. Mm. The next president, whoever that may be, has a statute <laughs> of limitations that go back six years. That's a long time, Joe. You have to be very careful. We have to guard and protect our country. We have to do what's right for our country. You don't indict your political opponent because he opposes the corrupt election, which you know was corrupt. Everybody knows it was corrupt. The American public knows it was corrupt. You don't indict your political opponent. Thank you very much. Better watch out, Joe. Yeah. Six years is a long time, Joe. Watch your back. Listen, for as much as he used to do it on social media, now he does it with the videothons that he puts out on Truth Social. Joe Biden's not going to continue to call Donald Trump a loser and not get any kind of response from him. And for whatever the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry is eventually going to be able to bring to light or not, Donald Trump will lift that rock up and look at all the roaches underneath it when he gets back to the White House in 2025. We're looking to see now if they even have the balls to, you know, do anything to Hunter Biden for not coming in and providing testimony via subpoena. Um, I'm highly not optimistic that that's going to be the case. So, but we'll have to see. And and we'll obviously be tracking President Trump. I'm sure he's got a bunch more events. He's going to be on the ground in Iowa. He's going to be out caucusing on Monday. And, and we'll actually have results on our Tuesday edition of the show. We're getting ready to jump in with Congressman Andy Ogles right now. And I just want to remind everybody, we're going to be coming back with an all-new second edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast today, directly after that. But before we jump in with our interview, let's check in with one of our partners. It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day-to-day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family-owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's the congressman representing Tennessee's 5th District. Always happy to sit down with Representative Andy Ogles. Congressman, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I hope you had a great holiday. It's uh, good to be, well, actually, I, I'd rather be with my family, but it's good to be back here doing the people's work. Uh, there's a lot of work to be, to be done, especially when you look at the border, the chaos, and the you know the, the millions of people that have come into this country country illegally. Oh, that's the thing. I, and we did have a great holiday here, Congressman. We hope you did as well. And, and we'll jump right into it. Actually, we'll start on the border and then move over to the to the budgetary stuff. We want to talk with you on that as well. So, you know, the, the Biden administration has gone and rolled out Alejandro Mayorkas to kind of defend his job and, and continue to propagate the enforcement that they're not doing down there over the course of the last two weeks. Obviously, everybody saw him on TV over the course of last week where he was going around and, and sitting down with CNN and, and CBS and ABC for those you know, riveting interviews that he always does. And then yesterday he was down on the U.S. southern border in Texas kind of 
debunking a lot of the narrative uh, and, and creating more fake news that it's not easy to come here. It's even harder to get in and they're not releasing everybody into the United States. However, it was confirmed shortly thereafter when he met with some of the Department of Homeland Security brass that accompanied him down there. He did reveal that over 85 percent of the people that they've encountered since Joe Biden took office have been released into the United States and they don't know where essentially any of them are after they've released them. So, you know, when, when you see what's what's needs to be done. HR2 is passed. Uh, I don't know if we need to segue around from that because of, of what the power structure in DC is set up right now in the vote based system with Chuck Schumer is the, controlling the Senate, Joe Biden in the office. And then let's just say all the legislation got passed them. If Alejandro Mayorkas would even dare to enforce any of it. So where do you see House Republicans sitting on this situation right now as we're reconvening up on the Hill and looking forward to get back to work? Well, I mean, you know, his misinformation, dishonesty, quite frankly, I mean, you've had 8 million people come into this country under Joe Biden, 8 million people. I mean, that, that's the that's larger than the state of Tennessee. Uh, that's a problem that transform a country. And you've seen in Germany and France where they've had years of over migration uh, and it's changed their countries. You have areas of their countries uh, that you can't even go or travel to. Right. They've become a, become a state within a state or a country within a country. And, and that's that's what we're facing here now is that you have and it's just not people from Mexico or Central or South America. It's people from Lebanon and Syria and Egypt and China, places that want to harm us. Right. And so we, we've got to lock this down. So to your point of what do we do? One, we've got to continue to fight the good fight. And so what I mean by that is these funding mechanisms. Uh, that that they the Senate and the, the president need the House of Representatives. We've got to use that as leverage to continue to put pressure to close the border. And this is a winning issue for us. You have blue cities, mayors across the country saying, please shut down the border. You've got fentanyl that is poisoning kids all over the country. So a small town in South Dakota is now a border town. This just isn't a Texas problem. This is a United States of America problem. And so I think we, we're united. We can win on this issue. I think it'll be a huge issue in 2024, uh, but we've got to, to really fight for it. And this idea that it's hard to come into the country. So I traveled to Arizona I went down there south of Tucson. I did not call the Border Patrol. I did not give them a heads up that I was coming so they could clean up the area so they could give me some sort of guided tour. I went on my own. I went with my own guys. We had our own vehicles. We had our own equipment. And I walked in and out of this country freely. I walked into Mexico, was clearly in Mexico. They knew I was in. I would come back across. I was unfettered. I was unmolested. They never checked my papers, if you will. And so this idea that our border secure is nonsense and it's, a, it's an absolute lie. And forgive me for going on such a riff, but I, I'm just fed up. No, it's it's the truth. And and when you see, I mean, the House Republicans went down there with Speaker Johnson last week. And while the delegation was doing their press conference, they couldn't even clean it up to the point that there was people coming across the river behind them and screaming to help get them out of the water. It's that you, you can't put this toothpaste back in the tube. The, the job that they've done has been the worst in the history of our country. Our, our sovereignty and border security at, at this point is non-existent. And it seems like Alejandro Mayorkas is, you know, over the course of the last couple of weeks, especially just puffing out his chest and saying, you want to know what? I'm not going to enforce what the Republicans want to do in Congress, so that's never going to happen. In addition to that, try and impeach me because I don't think you guys will ever have the votes. Now, as you see this bipartisan group of uh, people in the Senate, you've got Senator Langford, obviously Chuck Schumer. There's a couple others, of course, Mitch McConnell, that are going to be working on something. It just seems like at the end of the day, they're going to be negotiating out how much more money the Biden administration is going to get to process these people faster. I don't think the House Republicans are on board with this. I've seen a lot of people on social media kind of throwing up the red flags even before they uh, present what would be their their first, you know, 
uh, option for a deal here. But it, but at the end of the day, it seems like you guys are on two totally different pages when it comes to border security at the moment. Well, so so that's the problem is, you know, you, you can't give uh, Homeland Security or Border Patrol more money if all they're going to do is simply process more people uh, to make to make it more efficient, quite frankly, to come into this country illegally. And, and let's let's be honest or let's be frank. Let's just state the law. If you cross into this country without due process, you are here illegally. You're an illegal immigrant. You're an illegal alien and you're in violation of the law. And no one who comes into this country illegally, who violates our laws, who disrespects our country from the very moment they step foot on our soil, they should never, ever, never become a citizen of our great nation. This is our country. We get to decide who comes in. We get to decide who stays. We get to decide who's a citizen. And none of them should be eligible. And so that being said, there's a fight ahead. It should be a fight that we do not give up on or do not relent on because this, again, is the right thing for our country as we move forward. Well, it certainly is. And I do want to stay in the business of the Republican House because there was some other breaking news this weekend in regards to the budget. It seemed like there was something agreed upon. It was essentially uh, blown up all over social media, and, and it came to the dismay of a lot of the people who were in the America First delegation. Obviously, the Freedom Caucus wasn't too happy with it as well. I just want to kind of get some commentary on where you see this possible budget negotiations and, and apparent deal stand right now in the Republican House and, and in a place where you're going to need two-thirds of the vote to get this thing passed. Do you see it picking up enough steam at this point with without the cuts, uh, without the reduction, without the, you know, essentially elimination of wasteful spending, some of the things that are still going to be in there that I know House Republicans have really championed on getting out of there in this session, being able to pass and, and avoiding a government shutdown? Well, so uh, the first thing is, will the votes be there? I think the Democrats uh, will largely vote for it. Uh, and that should tell you something, right? If the Democrats are voting for it, uh, then there must be a lot of junk in there that, that, that the American people don't want and don't need. And so that's that. And, and so and I think part of the problem. So, you know, I've got a meeting later tonight. I'm a member of the Freedom Caucus. I was just elected by my colleagues in the Freedom Caucus to serve on the board that's of great. the House Freedom Caucus. So that's an honor. Uh, but we'll get into the minutia of this deal. And the problem is, is so it's being presented to the American people as one point five trillion and change. But reality, when you start looking at some of the accounting tricks and mechanisms that are in there, it's Washington, D.C. math as usual, and it's probably close to one point seven trillion. And so, you know, let's be honest with American people, what's in the deal and and, and then fight for the border. Like if we can't get the spending controls for some reason, we can't get some of the, the wokeness out today. Then what can we get today? And the border should be the number one issue that we're fighting on. It should be the sword that we're sword we're willing to fall on. And so uh, there, there's a lot to be said over the next seven to nine days before we have to pass this. Uh, right now, I would be a no just because I think it's junk. I don't think it accomplishes the things we want it to accomplish. And at the end of the day, our border is not secure. No, let me ask you uh, just an opinion on this. Now, Now, moving forward on this budget thing, and it obviously parlays into the border security because that's where the funding comes from. But, you know, when you look at the job that Speaker Johnson did heading into the Christmas break and, and how this was negotiated out right before you guys come back, I think part of the objective here is obviously not to shut down the government, but if you're funding it in an incorrectly or wasteful way, like a lot of people are, are definitely pointing out, at the same point, like, does it even matter if you're funding the government, if you're just doing it with waste? Now, heading into the end of this year in an election season where you guys are hoping to pad numbers with some great America First congressmen and women in the next section of Congress, do you think that uh, part of the play here is to maybe bipartisanly agree to something, not shut down the government, and then actually adhere to the congressional calendar next year when, you know, you actually 
are going to be finishing appropriations like in the beginning of the session of Congress, not in the last four months of the session as it uh, historically has been since, you know, the mid 90s, especially when Newt Gingrich started doing it. Or, or, or do you think this is something that honestly needs to be blown up? Like the, the budget that's being proposed right now is unacceptable and, and we can't even start thinking about next year's budget, if we, regardless if the government stays open, whether or not as long as we're doing it with wasteful spending. Um, yes and yes. I mean, I, I think what you're seeing play out here is um, kind of the political calendar bumping up against the legislative calendar. And so I think leadership's being very mindful of that, the impact that any bill that passes or, uh, you know, shutdown that may happen, how that affects the political calendar. And the reality is this is a junk deal that we, we should have done better. We should have really been negotiating before Christmas from a from a higher uh, higher ground, if you will. Uh, I mean, and so the the problem is, is right now you don't have the votes for a shutdown. And so there'll be those, those of us, presumably, that will vote no against this. But there's going to be enough Democrats. They put enough junk and crap in this. that sure. the Democrats. And quite frankly, it, it largely, if, if I had to predict, it could pass with more Democrat votes than Republican votes, just depending. And so uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's likely that we as conservatives get jammed through this process. You know, will it be done on suspension? Maybe. And so, you know, we've got to regroup and figure out, all right, as we go forward, as we look at the next few months, what are we going to do to take our stand to say, look, we've got to start having these conversations. And part of it is being honest with the American people. It's like, here, here's, here's the best deal you can get. So don't tell the American people it's 1.5 and change when it's 1.7. Just tell them it's 1.7. I mean, like, let, 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 let's start having transparent conversations. And I think that's the frustration. So. I was literally at a big box store. I was at Walmart uh, yesterday, just kind of getting some odds and ends things. And I had to go up to the counter and uh, getting something, a prescription for the family. And the pharmacist was like, you know, I know the spending deals baloney, but she said, you know, can we at least secure the border? And I said, you would think, right? <laughs> and so even kind of like, you know, just working class America, someone who, you know, she's there, she, she's trying to support her family, she's doing her job. Uh, you know, she's got other worries and she immediately knew that the spending deal was junk. But why is the border still open? I mean, that's the question everybody is asking, should be asking. And again, it's resonating in blue cities. We should be fighting, fighting, fighting for this. And I think my orca should be impeached. Like if he's got this come and get me attitude, then fine, let's go get him. No, I, I actually do understand what you said. It actually makes a lot of sense when you kind of break it down. You know, the Republicans have always had historically a hard time playing the long game. I think you guys are in some ways reluctantly starting to do it a lot better. I think when you look at the long term goals and objectives, you know, if, if, if getting something bipartisanly done that keeps the government open is the way that the budget's going to be for this year, but moving into actually working towards staying to the house calendar next year and getting the budget done ahead of time. So we don't run into stuff like this is the goal that you guys achieve at the same time. If, if you're not going to get HR two passed and, and Joe Biden's just going to try to throw money into new aid packages, uh, claiming it's border security, but Alejandro Mayorkas is eventually impeached. I mean, this is a big deal heading into an election season. And you know, the fact of the matter is there's some Democrats who live in border districts that their, their constituents are just not happy with them. I think that's a, a great marketing. I mean, Alejandro Mayorkas markets for himself, but the fact of the matter is this is, this is like the, number one a topic in in the country right now when you talk about the economy and the border it's hard to you know to d- d- uh, differ between the two of them so there's a lot of factors at play right here it's going to be interesting like you said over the course of the next 10 days see how this shakes out but then moving forward heading into next year i'm a little bit optimistic that you guys have set the precedent to do a lot of great work moving forward and uh 
Sometimes it's hard to see, you know, the commentary on social media could be colorful towards you guys as well. But uh, if you really understand how politics works and, and, and the structure of, of, you know, the House, the Senate and, and the executive branch, in addition to who the cabinet members are and what we have the potential to change next year, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Congressman, last thing I want to touch with you on, I think it's a huge story that's maybe not getting as much play. It seems like Republican rage is getting blamed just as much as the actual incident for what happened over the course of last week as well. Kind of went under the radar with the border and all the other stuff going on, too. The Secretary of Defense went in for like a minor medical procedure, wound up being off the grid essentially for four or five days after the procedure went sideways. He was in the ICU. And and the there there is, is that there was no Secretary of Defense for an undetermined amount of time so far. In addition to that, it seems like nobody in the White House knew. Now... For an administration that claims to be the most historic and transparent in the history of the galaxy, they have been historic for all the wrong reasons, but transparency (laughs) is something that they've never been able to accomplish. Now, as Republicans are getting ready to reconvene, and there's a lot of stuff going on up there that you guys need to work on, do you think there's potential for any kind of investigation into what happened and uh, essentially holding Lloyd Austin accountable for uh, behavior that seems to be becoming more than a pattern at this point with him? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I can understand him wanting to have some privacy. I don't know what the procedure was. At the end of the day, HIPAA is not my business, I guess. But but that being said, there is a continuity of government here in play. Uh, you know, as SecDef, he has certain responsibilities. And so, again, you've got to make sure that that all the boxes are checked, that the, that the next person in line has the authority to do that job in the event of a crisis. And I'm not sure that that was done. So um, at, at the end of the day, do we have enough time and bandwidth to have an investigation? Is it warranted? Yes, it's warranted. Will it actually happen? I don't know. But it is concerning that the Biden administration, the White House, was unaware that their Secretary of Defense was, A, going in for a procedure that could have some risk associated then ultimately went sideways. And he was, like you said, he was out of pocket for anywhere from quite frankly, an undetermined amount of time, 48 to 96 hours. That's a problem. Uh, you know, the, when I leave the country as a Congressman, I'm supposed to notify the Capitol police. They're supposed to have some idea of my whereabouts. There's something called the continuity of government. Heaven forbid that they have to call us back for an emergency. They have to know how to find me, where to get me, et cetera, et cetera. And so for the sec they have to go kind of missing for a period of time, that's a problem. Yeah, it certainly is, and it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of shakes out. I don't see Joe Biden or anybody within the administration holding him accountable and whether or not House Republicans are going to be able to crack open this investigation and see how bad it was. That's yet to be determined. Congressman, this is awesome sitting down with you today, catching up with you after the long holiday season. We obviously are going to be live linking everything in the show description, including your congressional website. Anybody that wants to check out on social media, follow you, and see all the great work you're doing there, where can they find you as well? You just go to Rep Ogles or AndyOgles.com. There's, I'm easy to find on all the social media platforms. Uh, we've got a newsletter. Uh, we're not going to hound you, but we'll give you up to up to date information. Kind of, kind of like me, no filter. We'll just pl- lay it out and let you decide uh, what to do with it from there. But thank you and God bless. I appreciate all that you do. I appreciate all the work you're doing as well. It's how I stay connected in between our interviews as well. This is the Congressman representing Tennessee Five, Mr. Andy Eagles. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Have a great rest of the week. Absolutely. Guys, we're coming back with another all-new edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, so sit back, relax, and let us continue to change the way you consume your news.